Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, could I have my title up there, please? Not start until it's up. Oh, yeah, there you go. Excellent, ex excellent stuff. Okay. Um, great. Love it. So, sorry, what did they say? Where's, where's my mate over there? They're being rude about our team, mate. Yeah, enough. Enough. Shh. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why I bother. I really don't. Okay, guys. Okay. Now, first of all, first of all, despite the fact he doesn't deserve it after that, do, do you know what? It's all about story today. It's all about story. Um, last week... Uh, Wes told part of his story, didn't he? And uh, I don't know about you, but I, I was both moved and inspired and helped by that. Am I right? Yeah, yeah cool. And, uh, you know, our stories are so, so important. God gives each one of us a story, okay? And our story is made up of lots of little stories, as well, and we all have those. Uh, and I called this uh, dominate the pitch because, you know, I felt that Astrid had had such a great time with Giants recently. That's right, isn't it? Really cool. And uh, numbers have been starting. But you see, Astrid is a real. You see, you don't realise that she is an aspiring football coach. Okay. <laughs> No, 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 that's serious. I mean, the way she led those uh, young people last week, and she used, I mean, I've been following football for many, many, many years, and playing football, I've coached, uh, I helped coach one of, uh, uh, the, uh, one of the borough football teams, uh, but I'd never heard the phrase, and I like it, that Astrid brought out, Dominate the pitch. She shouted it out from the sidelines. Dominate the pitch. And then we're thinking, what? <laughs> but it was great because you know what? Those kids had a brilliant time. And we're seeing some young people come who haven't been before. That's right, isn't it? And the hub, you know, can we have a big shout? Because she did a brilliant, she did a brilliant job. And, and, and she's getting a story to tell and giving children stories to tell in their lives. And, and that is just such an important thing. Someone else who's got so many stories. I'm, I'm, let, let me tell you this story, right? A number of years ago, in fact, I can almost pinpoint it. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, I can remember roughly where I was sitting in this very place. I was sitting around about here, and there were a group of chairs round, and I was praying with some people. I was praying so hard. 
I was praying for a friend of mine who was in hospital seriously ill. Hey, when I use the word seriously ill, I mean in danger of dying. You with me on that? I'm not talking about some kind of uh, not well stuff. I'm talking about special care, tubes, unconscious, all the rest of it. That was 20 years ago, and I sat here, and we sat here praying that he would survive, that he would live. The end of this story is this. Tomorrow, he's 70 years old, and that's Derek. Come on. Come on. Yeah? I don't know about you, that's kind of... Uh, I can tell that story because I sat here and I prayed and I wasn't the only one. We were praying that he would be poured through and, and, he, and he was. And that is just such, such an amazing thing. And I want every one of us to have a story, every, each one of us to have a story that we can tell while we stick with God. And, and that's, that's what Wes was talking about last week, about going through trials. Uh, things happen to you and you go through them and you go through them with God and, and it grows your faith and, and, and it, you have something to tell people about later on, just like Wes did. And I've got lots of other stories of times when God has blessed me, and I'm sure many of you have. And our stories are so important. I'm going to read to you a passage from the story. This is interesting. It's a passage in Genesis, okay? And in my Bible, the heading is... Abraham's family, okay? Abraham's family. Now, in the Bible, I just say to you, when it was originally written, there, there weren't headings and there weren't even verses and chapters. But our translations, they look at it and they thought, this will help people. We'll give them a title to the story. And so the story is Abraham's family. So I'll read you the story. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the family of Abraham, became the father of Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans in the land of his birth. Abraham and Nahor both married. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. The name of Nahor's wife was Milcar, and she was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcar and Iscar. Now, Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abraham, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran... They settled there. 
Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. The title of this bit is Abraham's family. That's interesting, isn't it? Not Terah's family. Abraham's family. It's weird. Let me carry on reading into chapter 12. The Lord had said to Abraham, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, Abraham went as the Lord had told him. And Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all his possessions, all they had accumulated, the people they'd acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. I'll stop it there. Oh, no, I won't. I'm going to read on. Why not? Abraham travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moriah at Shechem, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. They were a bad lot. Uh, the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went towards the hills east of Bethel, pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Okay. Terah. Doesn't even get a name check in the title. He gets that there are nine verses in Terah's story. Nine verses. Several of those aren't even about him. Why? Why is that? This is what I feel. You see, Ur at that time, the city of Ur, was like the centre of culture in those ancient days. It was where everything was happening. They'd built this amazing giant pyramid called a ziggurat. Um, it was the center of all kinds of cults and worship and things like that. It was where um, there was language being invented, writing being invented. All sorts of stuff was going on in Ur. It was the place to be on the planet at that time. It was an extraordinary explosion of culture and knowledge and understanding. It was like, you know, this is where you ought to be. And I believe, although it doesn't specify here, that something moved Terah, and I'm assuming, as I read it, that God had moved Terah to go to Canaan. Now, Canaan in the Bible is always, if you like, the promised land, but it's more than the promised land. Canaan is the place where God wants you to be. Have you got that? Canaan is the place where God wants you to be, wherever that is. And Terah was going to go to Canaan. But partway, he stops a place called Haran. Now, whether the place was already called Haran because he, you know, and it made him think about his son and he, he decided to settle down, I don't know. Or whether it was the kind of the other way around, and he settled at a place and called it Haran after his son. Not sure. But it hardly matters. 
What matters is this, is he was going from one place to where God wanted him to be, and he stopped, and he settled. He settled and didn't go any further. And at the end of all that, he gets just nine verses. That's all. And he does, you know, the people translating it don't even bother to give him a title, you know, Terah's family. No, no, Abraham's family. He's lost out because he didn't keep going. He stopped, he settled. We as a church don't want to settle. As people, we can't settle. That's not what God wants for us. He wants the best for us. Um, I, I've got this near my bed. I can't remember. Did you give me this, Laney? You probably did. Probably. You haven't got your glasses on, you can't see. <laughs> for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. That's good. See, God no plans to prosper me, give me a future. God's got plans for me, but he knows those plans, but he doesn't make me do it. He doesn't force me to go there. He doesn't say, Bob, you're going to go there no matter what. He just shows me where I ought to go. He's got brilliant plans for me, but if I go off or settle, I never come to find out what those plans were. Let's go over to Abraham. Now, Abraham... <laughs> yeah, Abraham gets 14 chapters. He gets 14 chapters, better than nine verses, and he gets, he gets sound bites in the New Testament. He's mentioned in other places in the Bible. That's Abraham. Because what Abraham did is this. The Lord says to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and go to the land I will show you. He's going to go to Canaan. He's going to go to the place where God wants him to be. And this is what happens with, with him. So Abraham went, as the Lord had told him. Lot went with him, blah, blah, blah. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So he didn't stop part way. He carried on, and he got to Canaan. It could have been Terah's story. He could have had the 14 chapters. He could have had the sound out in the New Testament. But Terah decided to settle. For whatever reason, he didn't go on. So he didn't have a story. And when you go on, it's always risky. If you remember when I read, they, it said, as they travelled through, the Canaanites were in the land. The Canaanites weren't a nice lot of people. They, they wouldn't be your best mates. Uh, they were people who would rob you, attack you, do whatever. They weren't nice. So it was a risky thing to do. It wasn't going to be easy to go into Canaan and to walk around there, but that's where God had told him to be. And it was worth taking the risk and this is what I like as well. He doesn't just get into Canaan. He starts walking around Canaan. He travelled through the land and he comes to different places. And when he gets to places, what he likes to do is build an altar to remember who he's doing it for. And altars mean sacrifice as well. 
He was making sure that he was claiming the place for God. Another sound out here. Dominate the pitch. You know, that's what he was doing. He'd got into Canaan and now he was walking around. This is mine. God's given this to me and I'm going to walk up and down. I'm going to claim it for God. I'm going to have an altar here. and we can, I'm going to build an altar over there. And, that, and that's what he did. He went around the pitch, if you like, making sure that his story was going to be told that this was his place. And God sent me here and I've got it. Do you know, God, God has got a pitch for you lot to dominate, you might be thinking, what? Uh, I'm, I'm too old for that now. I'm not old enough. I'm not clever. I'm not this. I'm not that. I've done too many things wrong. That too many things wrong bit I'm going to deal with in a minute. But let me tell you, um, Abraham wasn't that young. He, he was getting on a bit. I mean, a bit like, he was a bit like Derek, you know. He, he was, you know, aging. And, but, um, and we're not even going to talk about Jim at the back. No, 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 let's just, it won't even bother. But you know what? Abraham did it. He heard what God said. He realized what God had for him, and he went for it. And when he got there, he made sure that he claimed those places for him. He built those altars and he called on the name of the Lord. You know, as you go through your life, build those altars. You know, altars of praise. Call on the Lord. Prayer. Sort of punctuate your life day by day by day with praise, thanksgiving. Uh, by saying, Lord, you gave me this. This is, I'm part of your story, and I'm going to celebrate it. I'm going to claim it. So, Abraham is having a great time. He's got there, he's done all this stuff, and he's going to have a big story. But, there he is, traveling around the country, doing his stuff, and then there's a famine. And then Abraham blots his copybook. At this point, he decides, instead of riding it out, instead of calling on the Lord, instead of doing that, and you think, why is he going to do this? Because after all, this is a good guy, surely. But, you know, it can happen to anyone. He decides that instead of staying in Canaan, the place where God wants him to be, he'll go down to Egypt. He'll get out of it and he'll go down to Egypt. God hasn't told him to go to Egypt. He decides that he will sort it out. He will have his answer, not God's answer, his answer. So he goes down to Egypt. And as he goes down to Egypt, it gets worse because he thinks, my wife is really beautiful and they're going to want her and she'll be all right, but they'll they'll kill me in order to get her because I'm her husband. So I'm going to pretend, we're going to say that, um, that she's my sister. Uh, so just think about this for a minute. 
He's lying. He's dragged his wife into the lie. So now she's part of it. And he's nowhere near where God wants him to be anymore. And as he, as he gets into Egypt, sure enough, they see his wife. Pharaoh says, gosh, she's all right, isn't she? And uh, he goes and he says, bring her to me. And when that happens and she's brought into his household, I I don't hear, he doesn't say that much more about it, but you kind of think, this is not good. Uh, All sorts of things start happening to Pharaoh, that a disease breaks out and all sorts of things. And here's the amazing thing. Pharaoh, Pharaoh has enough insight and almost like spiritual stuff to say, hang on, something's wrong here. And he works out that it's to do with the fact that he's taken Sarah. And he goes to Abraham. This is Pharaoh, not the God-man. This is Pharaoh. And he goes and he says, what have you done? What have you done to us? Look what you've done. Why did you say that? Why did you lie? Why did you do all this? I just want you to realize what a mess Abraham had managed to get himself in. Because this is going to be like an encouragement to you in a way, funnily enough. Because Abraham was able to do everything wrong here. His bad, his lies and the way he'd acted affected all the people around him. All the people in Egypt, Pharaoh's household. It affected his wife. It probably affected his family. He'd rubbished God's name in a way, hadn't he? You know, he was supposed to be a witness to God and how great God was. And here's Pharaoh telling him off for his lying and all the rest of it. It's not a very good thing, is it? But, you know, I want you to remember this. When you're going, even when you slip down and you do something wrong, and a lot of the songs we sing are about this, God's still got our back. He's still with us because there's that little word, little words in that section it says but the Lord but the Lord got in there he began to sort it out and he made sure that everything ended up okay and then Abraham and this is really it's a bit embarrassing really this story Pharaoh gave orders about Abraham to his men Pharaoh gave orders Pharaoh's in charge now not God it seems And they sent him on his way. See, Abraham didn't even choose to come back on his own. This is God's grace in a way. Sometimes we do stuff wrong, don't we? And we don't even bring ourselves back to God. He pulls us back. We're almost forced back to him. And so Abraham goes back. He went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife, everything he had, lot with him. He'd become very wealthy, still being blessed by God, despite all of that stuff. And he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier and where he'd first built an altar. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. God let him go back to the place where he was before. He had to go back to that place where he was before and call on God's name again. And there'll be some of you here who feel, I've messed up. 
Some of you here who feel there are times when I let God down, I just want you to know a couple of things here. God still loves you. God cares about you. God wants to put you back where you were before. He wants you to dominate the pitch. He's still got you on side. You haven't been red carded, okay? God never red cards people. He never sends you off, okay? He just gives you a yellow. For those who don't know, that's the kind of warning, you know? He gives you a yellow card and he says, come on, come back. Do what you're meant to do. Be where you're meant to be. And so... Abraham does come back, and uh, he now gets another test. Lot, his nephew, has got lots and lots of cattle as well. Lot has been blessed along with Abraham. Do you remember I said that when he was doing bad stuff in Egypt, other people suffered? Do you know, when you do stuff for God, you'll be surprised how many people around you are blessed as well. And so Lot was blessed. But there were so many people now and so many herds of cattle, they were getting each other's way. And Lot's people were arguing with Abraham's people. Now this time, Abraham turns it over to God. Because what he says to Lot is, okay, if you go to the left and choose that, I'll go to the right. And if you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In other words, he's not trying to steer anything. He just knows that God has got him and that God is going to give him what God wants him to have. And so Lot chooses the place that looks really good and really cool. And Abraham stays in the main part of Canaan, which is where God wants him to be. And then and God says, Kind of, well done, you did the right thing there. Look around you. Look around. It's all yours. All of it. The whole lot. The whole pitch. It's all yours. Every bit of it. See, this time, Abraham didn't try and work out himself. He didn't try and say to Lot something like, I tell you what, you know, we're, if you do this and I do that and we do this and, and, and stuff like that and, and make some kind of deal, you know, this wasn't a kind of Brexit type thing. You know, he just let it happen. He put his, he put his trust in God. And, uh, and then God promises so much to him. And then he says this. And this is a verse that I believe is for our church. And I believe particularly is for you, Astrid. Okay? Because I don't think that that was an accident. Even though you're football... Ignorance is appalling. Um, Just saying, you know. Um, But this is the verse. And if I could have a verse, and I'm going to take this verse as well, because this is what it says in Genesis 13, verse 17. And I'm going to get this printed out for you. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land. For I am giving it to you. I repeat that. Go, walk through the length and breadth of the land. For I am giving it to you. Dominate the pitch. It's yours. Take it. This, God's put us here for a reason. 
He's put us all here for a reason. And, and we can have great stories to tell. Don't settle. Don't sit on the sidelines looking in. Do you know what? I, I, I was worried about getting in trouble last week. Um, they had the football social, which is where this all came from. And I went. Uh, I wasn't dressed to play football because that would have given it away to Elaine. Um, but I, I wasn't going to play because I'm a bit past it now. I used to play youth football and stuff like that, but I, I, you know, I shouldn't be doing it. And I can still feel bits now that I didn't feel last week. But when I watch them playing, I can't sit on the sidelines. I can't sit down and watch. It's too much for me. I want to get on that pitch and kick that ball. I want to get, I want to get in there. You know what I mean? I, can't, I just can't hold back. And, 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 that, and that's what I did. I had to get on that pitch and kick that ball. I was a bit more restrained than I would have been in my younger days, yeah. But there was no way you were going to keep me on the sidelines because uh, I just couldn't. That's what I want us to be like. I don't want us to be sitting on the sidelines. I want us to say, I want to be in there. I want to be part of this. And, and I shall, shall I tell you something else that's really great? You know, we need to cheer each other on. We need to cheer each other on. We need a crowd behind us. We need each other. We can't do it on our own. And, and sometimes when you're flagging and whatever, you, you, need, uh, you need anything you can to keep you going. You need someone, someone full of wisdom and understanding to shout, dominate the pitch, you know. Um, because this is what it's about, guys. We have a place that God wants us to be. We are not going to settle. We're going to get there. This is called horizon. And horizon is over there, not down there. We're going to keep going onto that horizon. Um, I'm going to finish here because you probably see I'm, I'm really, I'm quite passionate about this, you know. Th this word was given to me by God weeks ago about telling the story. And he's put bits together ever since. You know, Wes's talk, things that have happened. That, just, I... God is speaking, uh, and I have no idea what he actually wants you to get out of it. But I know what he's done in my heart and my life. And uh, I think when I hold this up, Lane's probably thinking, oh, no. What, what's he going to say about this? You wish you had one of these, don't you? You're not getting one. Tough. Yeah. Um, do you want to hear about this? You, you, you were going to ask me at the end, weren't you? See? See? Anyone else wondering? Yeah, 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 you were. Shall I tell you what? Shall I tell you what? Tough. <laughs> because, listen, 
Listen, this is a story waiting to be told. And you've got a story waiting to be told. Okay? So remember my sponge. Okay? Because you'll be saying, what was that about? Yeah, it's a story waiting to be told. You have all got... What's that? I don't need heckling. It's like those old televisions. We used to get interference on them as well. Yeah. I tell you what, you have all got a story waiting to be told. Every one of you, every one of you has. Don't give up on it. Don't settle. Don't think, I can't do it. Look at the mess Abraham made at one point. And he got back. You can do it too. You've got a story. Go on. Nice and loud so we can hear. Dominate the pitch. (laughs) Doesn't that make you feel good? (laughs) I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray. Okay? Father God, I thank you that you... I thank you for your story. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And he did not settle. He went there. Even though people said to him, don't go, don't go, don't do that. Even his best mates said, don't go. But he did. He carried on. And because of that, his story is our story. And Father God, I praise you. And I thank you that you have given each one of us a pitch that we can dominate. You've given us a place that is ours. Father God, you have given us stories that we can tell. Father God, I pray that every person here today, you will bless and show them where they should be. Show them their Canaan. Show them where they should be walking. Show them where they should set up altars. Show them where they can call on the name of the Lord. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.